this is coming together pretty fast. There's no need for your family to come back to Guam. And so at that time, they were thinking, well, should we send the Tylers to Singapore? Should we send the Tylers to South Africa, to Swaziland? I think the country's changed its name since, but so we didn't really know. We were here in Memphis and they said, well, why don't you just stay here and work out of Memphis and represent our work in some other languages and help churches understand how they can partner with our ministry to get the gospel out. So we did that for about two years. And then I just felt like it was time to change. We prayed, I found out the bots were willing to hire me back. And that was in 2002. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. And you may not know it, but our own Byron Tyler was awarded the prestigious 2023 Radio Impact Award, which is a national award and a very big deal at the National Religious Broadcasters Annual Convention held in Orlando. And I've been hounding him since the summer to let me interview him when he got back from receiving the award. And guess what? Today is the day. Byron Tyler, welcome to your show. (laughs) I bet you've never heard that before. I I have never heard that never diana never heard that (laughs) wow that's awesome okay let the fun begin to dig a little deeper and learn more about the man behind the microphone byron what do you want people to know about your childhood and how and where you grew up i grew up right here in memphis tennessee diana and i'm the only child don't have any siblings so I guess I'm kind of a spoiled brat, if you will. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> exactly. I really am. My parents divorced when I was about eight years old. My dad had a long history of mental illness before actually I was born until the day he died about six years ago. And so that was tough. Christ was not the center of our home. The gospel wasn't taught or shared with me at that time. I was lost. I really needed Christ even at an early age. We all do. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Can you tell us your gospel story and how you came to trust Christ as your personal Savior? This is really special for me because it was on December the 18th, 1978, and it was so real, so vivid. It was like night and day difference. I mean, I remember being invited to a little church in Frazier. Tom Pirtle was the pastor. My friend I went to high school with, a few months before I came to Christ, he had trusted the Lord. And I saw a difference in his life. I mean, it was a reality that something different about Dale, my friend. In light of that, he invited me to his church. And it was a cold winter, rainy Wednesday night. I got lost. I was unfamiliar with the neighborhood. Service had already started. My friend was sitting on the front row. <laughs> so that means I had to you know, walk in the door and then walk into the front row and sit down. And I don't remember anything about the message or the service or anything that happened from that point. But after the service, Pastor Tom invited me and Dale to go back into his office. And that's where he shared with me something that I really feel like my heart was wanting so desperately. Sad to say, I had taken a road of drugs and alcohol, even as a young teenager, just trying to fill that hole in my life. There's that God-sized vacuum that we try to fill with all kinds of stuff. And I tried everything to fill it and nothing really satisfied. Then that night in Pastor Tom's office, he shared with me how Christ took my sins. He said, this book represents your life. This is your birth certificate and the opening page. And at the very back is your death certificate. And the end is all the things that you've done in your life, you know, good and bad. He took his hand out and he laid it over here. And he said, we all like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He said, where's your sin now? And he says, it's on Jesus. And when I saw that, a light turned on and I just saw that's the gospel. And I got saved. I got on my knees and I asked God to forgive me. I asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. There's a sanctification process too. I'm not perfect. I've had ups and downs and battles like we all do, but the assurance to know 
that I belong to Jesus because of what he did for me, how he took all of my sin and put in me a hope and a promise, you know, not only my sins forgiven, but eternity and what I can experience with him one day. I'll tell you, it's so clear to me. I can't forget because there was such a radical change in my life. That same friend had heard about Adrian Rogers and said, we need to learn and grow in our faith. He said that Adrian Rogers was a good Bible teacher. We should go attend this Bellevue. At that time, was downtown Memphis. And I remember going as a junior in high school, my first time walking into the door. I'd never been in a church like that. It was overwhelming. But when I heard Adrian Rogers preach and teach, it made sense. And I just kept going back, going back Didn't and learning and growing. That's kind of where it began. You were a new creation in Christ and just beginning. That's an awesome testimony. So praise the Lord for that. Well, I know that there was someone that spoke words of encouragement to you when you were young. God used that in your life. So tell us how that kind of got you into the radio world. When I was 14, being in a single parent home and and looking for opportunities to make some money myself, I went through the yellow pages and calling close establishments looking for a job. And this Mike Suggs at Bonanza Steakhouse on summer answered the phone. And he said, I'm filling out the schedule now. Come up and, and I can see about putting you on the schedule. I got on my bicycle and I rode up there and he hired me. I worked as a busboy, washing dishes. It was at that restaurant. Craig Shields cooked the steaks on the grill. He said, you know, you have a nice sounding voice. You should go and volunteer at this radio station. At that time, Rhodes College was called Southwestern at Memphis. And they had this volunteer station, WLYX FM 89. So that's where I started learning, you know, 14 years old. I had a Saturday morning progressive country show that I started off with. Wow. That's where it began. (laughs) You were 14? 14 years old, yeah. Well, that's pretty neat. I got to say something too, Diana, about that, because there was a girl, Julia Walls. Julia was working for the Press Cemetery at the time as a illustrator. She actually started doing a, a music show after I did. And I actually helped train her when she came to volunteer on her shift on Saturday. And I didn't know this till after I became a Christian. At that time, I had a little Suzuki motorcycle, and I would ride from home over to the Berkeley area, over to Midtown, to the radio station. She would follow me and pray for me that God would save me. I didn't know that until later on. I was doing a mission trip in Vienna, Austria one summer. I received this letter. She was praising God for what he did in my life. She started sharing how she had prayed. I tell you, it blew me away to think that somebody cared enough about me and asked God to save me, you know. Isn't that something, how God uses prayer and answers it? God is an answering God. Well, how did it transform from that into Christian broadcasting? Well, as I became a Christian, as I mentioned, I became a Christian when I was about 16, right before I turned 17. I was still volunteering at this radio station. As I became a believer, I started feeling like I don't think my spirit communicates well with the music I'm playing. So I went to the people who organized the station. I said, I think I'm going to have to give you a resignation. I can't do my shift anymore. And they said, why? I said, well, I became a Christian and I don't feel right about the music I'm playing. For some reason, they said, well, if we let you do a Christian music program, would you stay? And I said, well, I guess so, because I knew nothing (laughs) about it. I was a brand new believer. Well, at the time, I started getting involved in the youth group at Bellevue and became friends with Adrian Rogers' son, David Rogers, and his daughter, Janice. David had a collection of, at that time, vinyl albums. He started talking to me and telling me about the music. And then I also ran across a guy by the name of Rick Miller. Rick was a milkman for Turner Dairy, but he did a show on Rock 103 called Josiah Rain. He had some vinyl records. As a milkman, he had the neighborhood that the radio station was in, so he would drop off 5.30 in the morning because I had to be on the air at 6 o'clock in the morning from 6 to 10 on Saturdays. 
he would drop off this big crate of vinyl records and set them down there with a carton of chocolate milk for me. <laughs> so that was kind of the beginning. And I would play this music and people started writing in. Some people would send money. I never asked for money. <laughs> Some people actually sent donations in. And I did that for a while while I was in high school. Okay, tell us how you got to Bot Radio Network. I wanted to learn more about the Bible. At that time, there was a Bible school called Mid-South Bible College here in Memphis. I didn't graduate with a degree, but I did get what's called a Life Foundation Certificate, 32 hours of Old Testament, New Testament survey, systematic theology one and two, missions, you know, just a basic foundation for the Bible, which is really what I wanted. So while I was there, I saw there was a job opening at WMSO Victory 63. It was a contemporary Christian music station that had some Bible teaching programs on it. And it aired in a little block building out in Collierville, out there off of Fleming Road, this little block building. Al and Lois Crane owned this station. So I went out there one day and Lou Nesta was the guy who was the station manager. And he said, give me an air check. So I went in the room and recorded some things. Rick Tarrant, who has been in radio for many, many years here in Memphis. Rick happened to be out there and Lou just said, go listen to his air check. So he did. He came back and Lou said, what did you think? He said, yeah, give him a shot. So that's how I got on weekends. I would work on Saturday morning, I think from six to noon, I believe. I think the same thing on Sunday morning. So while I was taking the classes at Mid-South Bible College, I was working the weekends there at WMSO. Well, how did that transform into coming to Bot Radio Network? Well, in 1986, back up a second, I finished the classes at Mid-South Bible College and started working more of a full-time position at WMSO. Well, this is a crazy story, but Pam and I had been married for just a very short time. We got married in 1984, May 5th of 1984. Soon after we got married, a baby was coming. One day, I came home and there was a voicemail message from the lady who was managing the station. And she said, Byron, don't worry about coming back to work here. We found somebody else to take your place. So I called her and she was worried because I had a baby coming that I would quit my job, put her in a bind. She said, well, you really need to find more money because we can't pay you what you're going to need. But God used that. And I had some other friends in radio. Ironically, I had the opportunity to go work for Sam Phillips, who owned Sun Studios here in Memphis. He had a radio station called WLVS and WEZI. George Klein, who's been a longtime radio guy here in Memphis, at that time was doing afternoons at WEZI. WLVS was kind of a news talk station at the time. So I was doing news for that station and also news in the afternoon for George Klein. And did that for eight or nine months or so. And all things, God works things out. Mm -hmm. And so through that process, the lady who originally fired me from <laughs> WMSO said, this station's been sold. I'd like to hire you back. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for you. That's when Mr. Dick Bott and Rich Bott walked into the door. I think it was around the 16th of December of 1986 that Bot Radio came to Memphis. And you were here to see it. I was. That's awesome. Okay. I know that you spent time as a missionary after that in Guam. Yeah. Can you tell us about that experience? Well, I had worked here with Bot Radio for about the first seven and a half years that they went on the air. I felt like it was time for me to move on. It was something deeper than that because when I was in Bible college, we would hear a lot of missionaries would come and speak in our chapel services. Gary Whitmore was with a group called Transworld Radio, and he came several times and spoke to us. We were praying at that time, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want to use us? And we just reconnected with Gary and found out that there was opportunity to apply for Transworld Radio. So we did and got open the door. That time we were living in Bartlett. Under a year, we were fully supported, sold our house in Bartlett. We put a sign out, and that afternoon the house sold. 
Wow. It was that quick. So we knew we were going to Guam. <laughs> so we moved to the island of Guam. Our three sons, Josh, Jason, and Joel, I think Josh was 11 at the time. Jason, my middle son, was about eight, and then Joel was about four years old at the time. What was your most memorable experience in Guam? I guess one of the more memorable things was a Korean airline crash, Flight 801, with about 254 passengers, crashed on Nimitz Hill on a dismal weather condition night. Mm -hmm. And I remember because our staff volunteered to help recovery workers and give them support. Mm -hmm. And I had never been that close to that many deaths. It was a powerful thing. And then typhoons. We went through some pretty major typhoons. Typhoon Pocket, one of the most powerful storms that's been recorded in weather history. Almost 200 mile an hour winds with gusts over 227 were rocking our little concrete house, you know. And so, so were you like hunkered down in the bathroom? Or? Well, we were just hunkered in our cinder block house. Most of the houses there are kind of designed for that type of weather. There were some experiences like that, but also just being on the radio, doing radio there. I did a program called Prayer and Praise. People would send in prayer requests. I'd pray, play music, share Bible verses. Pam and I did a program together called Friends in Focus, where we read letters. Now, there was a local station, KTWG, to the island. Then there was KTWR that broadcast through shortwave all over Northeast and Southeast Asia. I mean, we were getting letters from Nepal, from the Philippines, from India, from Ethiopia, from Uganda, from all over the parts of the world. We would read the letters, pray for people, and then play music and share some encouraging Bible verses. That's great. I can see how God used that in your life to prepare you for what you do now. Yeah. Um, it's pretty great. Okay. What do you miss the most about Guam? Oh, my goodness. I got certified to scuba dive when I was there, and I got to see some of the most beautiful God's creation. I never thought I would swim with sharks and big sea turtles and go spearfishing at nighttime. Our little church, Marianas Baptist Church, Pastor Tony Smith was from Kentucky, and we had more fun night fishing together, going scuba diving and spearing fish. That fellowship at that little church was probably another highlight for me, too. Oh, that sounds yeah. like a wonderful life. So how did you end up back at Bot Radio Network after Guam. Okay. Well, one of the things we were given the task to do, our staff, was to find nationals to take over the local radio station. That was in the works, and it was about time for us to come on furlough. While we were on furlough back in Memphis, we received a call saying that this is coming together pretty fast. There's no need for your family to come back to Guam. And so at that time, they were thinking, well, should we send the Tylers to Singapore? Should we send the Tylers to South Africa, to Swaziland? I think the country's changed its name since, but so we didn't really know. We were here in Memphis, and they said, well, why don't you just stay here and work out of Memphis and represent our work in some other languages and help churches understand how they can partner with our ministry to get the gospel out? So we did that for about two years, and then I just felt like it was time to change. We prayed. I found out the bots were willing to hire me back, and that was in 2002. So since 2002, I've been right here. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Okay. You've told us a little bit about your family. You've mentioned you have three sons and Pam, you're married to her for 39 years now, almost 40. <coughs> so tell us the story of how you met the love of your life, Pam. Well, while I was a student at Mid-South Bible College, I think a Saturday morning, there was a bookstore I was in on the campus and a pastor, Paul, I don't remember his last name, but he was pastor of the church that Pam attended in Frazier. They had a very small youth group, and he was looking for somebody to come from the college to maybe work with the youth. So we talked, and he said, why don't you come one Sunday? And that's the first time I met her on that Sunday. She was actually a senior who was graduating, and I didn't know at the time she was going to start Mid-South Bible College that fall. So she was interested, knowing that I was from the school, I was interested, 
because she had pretty blue eyes. <laughs> she does have pretty <laughs> yeah. blue eyes. And I had some interest there. The Bible college was having a trip to India. I went and got the shots for that, and I was preparing to go to India for the summer. But God didn't allow me to go. The mission trip didn't work out for me to go. The funds I needed to the last minute didn't come in that I was expecting. I thought, maybe I should just go back and visit that church. And I did. The rest is history. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. Okay, you have three beautiful grandchildren that I know you love to spend time with. Now's your chance to talk about them. And I know one of them you spent time with recently, and she said, roll them, Poppy. Yeah. What was that about? <laughs> well, Sunday, last Sunday evening, we were in the kitchen with Pam and the girls uh, making Christmas cookies. She was rolling the little balls in her hands, you know. I thought when she said, roll them, Poppy, she wanted me to grab some dough and roll it. But she said, no, I want you to roll the camera. She wanted me to take video of her (laughs) uh, Aurora, Layton's 10, Aurora about to be six, and then Ezra is the baby. He just turned two. Oh, I know they're precious and you love them dearly. Byron, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4, that God is the Father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. I know for almost two years, you've been through a difficult journey and some new health challenges. You had COVID in January of 2022, but you had a very serious COVID case, which lasted about eight weeks. Can you tell us about those eight weeks of just being so sick, almost to the point of death, and how God brought you through those eight weeks, and how you were encouraged in the Lord during that very discouraging time in your life? Yeah. I'll tell you what, I've never been so sick in my life, Diana, when I got COVID. And I remember the temperature was around, you know, 103, 4. My chest was burning. I had cold sweats. I wasn't able to sleep. And I remember calling my doctor. They said, you know, we can't see you. There's no medicine we can give you. You need to let the virus run its course. Mm. I was really desperate. I didn't know what to do. And so I was reminded of a friend of ours, Steve Copeland, who's been a a dear friend. I knew his wife was in the medical field in some capacity, but I wasn't really sure. Dr. Deborah Copeland runs a clinic, Hope Primary Care. I called Steve and he got his wife. And within 15 minutes, I had some prescriptions. Within the, the next day, I had Dr. Copeland at my house with an oxygen machine because Pam was coming down with it also, we could not even hardly move. Over the two years of taking care of COVID patients, she had taken care of over a thousand and only three were hospitalized because of the type of care she was giving. She prayed over us. She called us every day or her staff did to check on us for eight weeks. She was right there with us. At the same time, we both felt the presence of God in our lives. We knew that God hadn't left us, hadn't forsaken us. It seemed like it wasn't going to come to an end because they just kept dragging on. But in his goodness, we were able to recover from it. Well, there could be somebody listening today that's going through a really trying time with their health or the loss of a loved one. Is there a Bible verse that sticks out to you? Of course, a verse that a lot of people fall on is Romans 8.28, where we know that God works all things for good to those who love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. And I think we realize as believers, it's really not about us. It's really about Him. It's His purpose. It's His kingdom. His kingdom come. His will be done. I don't live like that every day. My focus needs to be more. I feel like when we realize it's not about us, we're the vessels He uses to communicate His gospel, His grace to a world that is in desperate need of redemption, to be rescued. And that's what Jesus came to do. I mean, we talk at Christmas time about the birth of Christ. He was on a rescue mission. He left the glory of heaven, entered the world through the flesh of a baby the Savior who went to the cross for us. And His blood was the only thing that would please the Father. And He was willing to sacrifice that. He took our punishment so that we wouldn't have to. Where it says in Romans 5, 8, 
God demonstrates his own love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I think even in those times when we're suffering, sometimes it's through the infirmities and the weakness that Christ is strong. He displays those strengths in us. After COVID, I think you know that I got diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease called myasthenia gravis. I couldn't even say it for several weeks, and it's a weakening of the muscles. There's times my speech starts slurring. There's times, you well know, I can't hardly walk down the hall. I'm dragging my feet. I can't move. I get fatigued easy. Is God punishing me? No, he's not. In his life, there's conflict, there's trials, there's difficulty. But knowing Christ, who is our Redeemer, and knowing that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, as the scripture says, a glory that far outweighs them all. It's going to be so much greater than. I don't really want to question God because I know he filtered what I'm experiencing through his hands. There's nothing I'm experiencing that he's not going to help me through. We do grow during these trials. God molds us to be more Christ-like. And I know that you've grown a lot through this, as people do, when you know Christ and you go through the hard times in life. This year, you were awarded a very great award, the 2023 Radio Impact Award. Other people, such as Charles Stanley, Chuck Swindoll, have been recipients of this award. This is a really big deal. And now... Byron Tyler has joined the list, and we're just so proud of you. Well, I got to say this. If it wasn't for you and your diligence to submit the radio show Mid-South Viewpoint for this particular award, and the staff got behind you, it wouldn't happen, Diana. Well, God just laid it upon my heart and everybody else's heart. What is the Radio Impact Award? It's recognizing a radio ministry, a radio program, in this case, Mid-South Viewpoint, for having an impact in the community, making a difference. That particular program, sadly, many will remember here in Memphis, a September night, this would have been, what, 2022, Ezekiel Kelly went on a rampage of shooting Memphians, a young mom in front of her four-year-old daughter, just randomly shooting people while he was joyriding, capturing all on Facebook feed. And I don't think many people will forget that. That was a horrible, horrible time. We see darkness and evil in this world. There's a tendency to want to shrink back into fear. I understand that's natural to do that, but I think we as the church have got to look through these things through the gospel lens. And so the very next day, I invited a pastor friend of mine who I love, Pastor Tony Wade of Divine Life Church. What a man of God. He's been on my program many times. And I said, Pastor Tony, can you come and help us put this in perspective? Our hearts are shaken. Our hearts are scared. And we need to look through this through the gospel lens. What's the comfort of Jesus in the midst of hardship and heartbreak and such tragedy? And he shared that. And so that was the radio show that was a 27-minute show that had to be edited down to three minutes, which you did, and not having much experience at all in editing. Maria Pena, our production assistant here, has been with us a long time. We love Maria. She gave you some tips and helped you a little bit, but you took it and got it down to the package of three minutes and whatever else you had to submit, and that's what (laughs) won the award. (laughs) Well, that was difficult to do, but God helped me through it. Maria helped me through it. Your show aired September 8, 2022, so if y'all want to go back, look through the archives, you can listen to that. It's called Painful Week for the City of Memphis. It's a very riveting interview, but let me just say, all of your shows are that way. You talked about the gospel lens, and you do that in every show. And it doesn't matter if you interview someone famous or someone who's just a regular person that you interview. You come out of that office, you come down the hallway, and you always say, that was... 
Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> he does. He says it every single time. So much that we bought him a T-shirt for his birthday that says, that was incredible, because he just well, says that all the time. Diana, I'll tell you, the thing is, to meet people and tell stories. That's what I do, meet people and tell stories. The stories are God's stories. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And it's that power in the gospel that's changing lives, that's making these stories come alive. They've got to be shared. Yes, I know that's the best part of your job that you love to do. And you have such a fun way of doing it. And yet, you know, you bring the serious side out and you always bring Christ into it, which is the most important part. We know that you're gifted and creative and definitely making an impact. And so that's why you got the award. Praise the Lord. Okay, well, Byron, you keep making an impact on Memphis and the world by shining the light on our Savior through the great opportunities that He gives you and looking at everything like you always do through the gospel lens. And we are so proud of you. Diana, God bless you. I can't thank you enough. Such a privilege to work alongside you. You love the Lord so much. It stands out. It encourages us here in the workspace. How does it feel to be interviewed, Byron? I tell you, it's different. It's different. Did I put you at ease like well, you, you did? Do? You put me at ease, and I have a new respect for the people I interview now. <laughs> <laughs> then I accomplished my purpose. You did a good job. <laughs> well, friends, I want to thank you for joining us on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. My special thanks to Diana Abbott for the great job she did. And I hope that you learned something, mostly that Jesus Christ is Lord, and He wants to be that in your life, too. Hope you have a great day. I'm Byron Tyler, along with Diana Abbott. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. If you would like to listen to today's show again, go to BotRadioNetwork.com and look for Mid-South Viewpoint under the broadcast tab. The show is also available on your favorite podcast platforms. Some shows have video of the interviews as well and can be viewed at Byron Tyler Radio on YouTube or on our Bot Radio Network mobile app.